Hey! Welcome to another episode of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch Podcast. This is episode 87 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch Podcast, where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. Now, of course, if you're a returning listener, you know who I am. But if you're new around here, and hopefully you are, allow me to introduce myself. My name is Sir Dr. J.M., I'm Jordan. That's at SirDRJM on all socials. So why not head over to Twitter, follow me there, uh, and you can reach out to me. You can DM me or you can just tweet at me, whatever you've got. I'd love to hear some questions, comments, concerns, topics, anything you'd like me to discuss on the show. Bring it to me over on Twitter where I will bring it to the show. I'd love to interact with you. Now, of course, we don't have the biggest show to go over right now i'm sure if you're listening to this uh or if you've stumbled across this you're probably still coming down from the high that was uh the summer showdown tournament in toronto now that is of course going to be what this episode is about i'm actually going to title this episode toronto's summer showdown success because i want to take this opportunity to talk about the event as a whole uh no i actually was not there however i did get some behind the scenes some backstage virtual passes and things like that through uh some connections that i have which i'll talk about in a moment here uh so I did get some unique insight and some uh, exciting background uh, stuff going on throughout the tournament. So let's get to that in a second, because you can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, et cetera, et cetera. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends and all that jazz. And of course, of course, of course, of course, this is the part of the show where I tell you about the other podcast I'm on. So I'm also on your premier source for everything Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant. That is the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast. That's Ready, Set, P-W-N, which is also available, of course, on podcast services everywhere. But more importantly, if you're listening to this show and you think, uh, you know, I'm I'm a little nervous on Twitter. I don't like tweeting things out. I don't want to DM Sir Dr. JM. I don't know him, that kind of thing. You can also head over to the Ready, Set, Pwn Discord, which is Ready, Set, no, discord.io slash Ready, Set, Pwn. And you can join the Ready, Set, Pwn community, a community that I am active in and I take part in. And of course, I am the third chair on the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast over there. So you can bring questions, comments, whatever you've got for Ready, Set, Pwn to that uh, Discord. Uh, We do talk about everything going on in Overwatch. Of course, Ready, Set, Pwn itself as a podcast is focused on the Toronto Defiant and the Vancouver Titans. And it is through them that I actually got the uh, sort of media pass to uh, get an invite into a media discord. And I was a part of uh, backstage um, interviews with players and coaches uh, after just about every match throughout the Summer Showdown tournament in the Western region. So... I have to shout out Ready, Set, Pwn this week in a bigger way than I normally do because, of course, without them, I would not have gotten that access that I did. Um, I would not have gotten to ask a question to Hydron and RuPaul or Twilight and Hotpa or uh, Hisu and Chorong. Uh, But yes, in fact, I did get to be in the press room with them. Uh, Not to mention, in the press room, I also got... uh, Sort of a more of an introduction to the one and the only Liz Richardson of DottieSports.com, which if you are an avid listener of the One Man Watchpoint, you of course will know Liz Richardson as uh, she is one of the, uh, in my opinion, biggest and best reporters when it comes to the Overwatch League. And of course, we frequently cover her stories on, uh, on this show. So without further ado, let's dive in so that we can talk a little bit more about the Toronto Summer Showdown Tournament. Once more unto the breach. Now, of course, 
as we move into talking about the Summer Showdown Tournament, we have to start at the beginning. So as you know, the most recent episode of One Man Watchpoint came out, uh, I believe, on September 6th. So it was, of course, before the weekend's matches, before any of the tournament matches had been had. So now that we are past the uh, tournament, of course, some of this news will be, you know, obviously old news. In fact, most of it will be. But I wanted to highlight a few things that were uh, that kind of broke after our episode came out, um, just to give them their due. So first things first, let's head on over to DottieSports.com, this time with an article by Jessica Scharnagel, which reads, Puckett to return to Overwatch League desk for the first time since 2019. And this was posted on September 6th. The legend is back. Chris Puckett is returning to the Overwatch League for the first time since the Grand Finals in 2019. The OWL community is celebrating today following the news that Puckett will be returning to host the OWL 2022 Summer Showdown Tournament after a two-year hiatus from the eSport. Puckett has been one of the most recognizable faces of the OWL since he hosted all of the events leading up to his departure from the league in 2020. Puckett casted for the OWL regularly after it started in 2018 and was on the desk as a host for many tournaments before the OWL as well. He was one of the constant faces that viewers saw before, during, and after OWL matches. This will be his first time hosting the OWL since the switch to Overwatch 2, as the game uh, the eSport is played on. In the time since Puckett last casted, the game had several public betas and will soon launch in early access on October 4th for all players. Since he left the Owl, Puckett has hosted other esports such as Halo, Valorant, and more. In 2021, Puckett and his wife Molly welcomed a baby girl who keeps him company while he watches esports from time to time. There's no indication of whether this is a one-time hosting position for Puckett or if he will continue to host more tournaments in the future, but for fans of the Owl... Nope, sorry, but fans of the Owl are excited to have him back for the 2022 Summer Showdown, which begins its main event on September 8th. The Dallas Fuel, San Francisco Shock, Houston Outlaws, London Spitfire, Vancouver Titans, Washington Justice, and Florida Mayhem will compete for the West Region, and the Shanghai Dragons, Seoul Dynasty, Guangzhou Charge, and Philadelphia Fusion all made the main event for the East Region. So obviously, as I mentioned, you know, there's a little bit of uh, old news in that article. In fact, all of it was old news, but I wanted to bring this one up because, of course, it was a exciting announcement to hear that Puckett would be returning. In fact, the Overwatch League put out an image uh, that is posted on this article as well at the very start, which says Return of the King, and it's got a picture of Puckett with a nicely photoshopped crown on his head. Because uh, I think Puckett was definitely one of the big personalities, uh, one of the really exciting um, casters to listen to in the Overwatch League, um, and and obviously a staple of the game uh, right up until you know he announced that he would not be returning um, in 2020. So... Very exciting to have him back, and by all means, I think he did an amazing job hosting with uh, Custa and Rainforce there. Um, I was I was very impressed with him. Uh, definitely left a mark, I think, and made uh, made everything very exciting and a lot of fun to watch. So great job, Puckett. Great job uh, to the talent that brought him in and everything um, to fill in, obviously, for Zoe, who is still on maternity leave now. Let's stick with .esports.com. In fact, this week, we're going to stick with .esports entirely um, because that's all I've got so far. And we'll read an article posted by Emily Morrow on September 6th, which reads, Overwatch League drops a summery new Genji skin. Blizzard has revealed a new Genji skin to celebrate the end of the Overwatch League Summer Showdown. Called Happy Genji, the skin features the cyborg ninja in his human form. In true summer fashion, he's sporting a pair of swim trunks, a towel, and a happy, a traditional Japanese coat that's often worn at festivals. When combined with his gloved hand and green flip-flops that match his 
viridian hair. The effect is positively tropical. Happy also turns his shuriken into ribboned favors that match the colors featured throughout the skin. It's available now to purchase in-game. Like Night Mercy before it, Happy can only be purchased with Owl League tokens from the Owl section of the game. The skin costs 200 Owl tokens, which can be bought directly or earned by watching Owl matches on YouTube Gaming. Happy will be available for purchase through November 15th and will be accompanied by Team Remix skins releasing later this year. In an Owl blog post, artist... Shi Kai Chang elaborated on Happy's design. The skin references both existing Overwatch skins, in particular the green-haired young Genji, and traditional Japanese festive wear. In the style of real-world Happy's, Genji's coat features the crest and family name of the Shimada clan, and he has a goldfish hanging from his belt. Part of Japanese festival tradition, according to Chang, sees participants scooping goldfish out of small ponds, which they wanted to incorporate into Genji's look. The skin is now available in Overwatch's in-game owl shop. So there you go. Wanted to bring this one up, of course, because uh, if it if you haven't already, you should pop in and get this skin if you've got the owl tokens. Um, if you've been watching the Overwatch League as uh, seemingly as dedicated as I have, uh, then you should have at least fifteen hundred tokens. That's right. I logged in uh, to the game the other day after not having logged in for a while, and I went to that Overwatch League section and I just watched as the owl tokens rolled on in, and I had. 1,500 of them. So I uh, definitely bought this skin uh, in an instant, in a heartbeat, if only to have that little goldfish who I think is adorable. Um, I generally speaking don't play Genji, so I'll probably never really see this skin, but I digress. I wanted it nonetheless. I think they did a great job with this uh, with this skin, and I love the, the summertime style ones. So there you have it. Go on in. If you watched the uh, finals this weekend, the uh, Summer Showdown Tournament, then go on in. You may have enough tokens. I have no idea if you, that would earn you enough, but hopefully it will. And go grab that skin. Now, let's head on into the tournament, of course. And this time, we will talk a little bit about what exactly went down. Now, I'm not actually going to dive into all of the scores or anything like that, but what I do have here is two articles written by Liz Richardson. The first one on September 10th, the second on September 11th. Now, the one on September 10th reads Toronto Defiant Rise through the Overwatch League Summer Showdown bracket, and the one from the 11th reads Shanghai Dragons Dallas Fuel Take Home Overwatch League Summer Showdown Victories. So, of course, these two articles tie directly into each other. Um, I can obviously see that Liz Richardson put in a lot of effort into these articles, so I'm not actually going to read the whole thing. What I will say is go give Liz the click on these articles, go read through it, go absorb it go take in every little detail i know i did and i know i have because uh i wanted to relive uh what was this past weekend uh earlier today so i went through and and read through these articles um they are a great breakdown summary of everything that happened uh first on that uh second to last day so it would have been day three of the tournament the uh saturday and then of course uh the sunday of the finals um as well because honestly I don't think there was a bad match in this tournament. Um, you know, maybe if you are a Houston Outlaws fan or a, a London Spitfire or a Washington Justice or maybe even a Vancouver Titans fan, which, of course, I am, and I was disappointed with the Vancouver Titans uh, performance. But I digress. I think all around there were some pretty stellar performances. And the reason I highlight this first article, Toronto Defiant Rise Through the Overwatch League Summer Showdown Bracket, is because the Toronto Defiant had an extremely impressive run through this tournament. I think going into it, and especially after their first match that they lost against the London Spitfire, I think faith in the Toronto Defiant was wavering. Now, of course, 
Um, to understand that, we should talk a little bit about the history uh, just prior. And of course, their last qualifier match, they had already secured a spot in the Summer Showdown uh, tournament, but their last qualifier match before the tournament, they faced off against the London Spitfire. They lost that match, and then they played London first thing in the tournament. And of course, they lost that match as well. So I think where a lot of people prior to that qualifier match had been saying, you know what, Toronto is probably a close third uh, in terms of who's best at this meta in the West. Um, generally speaking, I think people would agree it was Dallas Fuel, San Francisco Shock, and then Toronto Defiant. I think the faith was wavering in the Toronto Defiant a little bit. I think they were seeming a little shaky, especially after not only did they lose the qualifier match that, hey, you know, I spoke about it on this show, I spoke about it on the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, Maybe they just kind of let their foot off the gas a little bit. They knew they were already in. They took it a little easy, and because of that, it bit them. They lost. Um, they dropped down a position, so they didn't get to pick their opponent going into the Summer Showdown. But then, when they also lost that first match against the London Spitfire, it was shaky. I think, uh, you know, it wasn't a great performance. Um, I think people were worried, but credit to their coaching staff, credit to the team for for coming together and really nailing things down and figuring out what they needed to do to then make an impressive run through the loser's bracket. So they did, of course, um, if you read through this article, again, Liz breaks down, I believe, every match they had. Yeah, starting uh, starting after their game against the Washington Justice, which, of course, was, uh, I believe that game was on the uh, Friday of the tournament. So starting with their game against the Houston Outlaws, she breaks down how that looked for Toronto. Um, she then goes into uh, the London Spitfire versus Florida Mayhem match, because of course that chose who the Toronto Defiant would ultimately play against uh, to continue in the loser's bracket. So she goes over that match. Then she moves into the Dallas Fuel versus San Francisco Shock match, because that would of course determine who was going to play against the losers, uh, the, the team that made it through the loser's bracket. Then she goes into Toronto versus Florida, as that one led up to, you guessed it, the Toronto versus San Francisco shock match, which would happen on the next day. So, of course, she covers that in the next article, which also goes into both of the finals matches and talks a lot about how the finals played out and everything like that. I will cover the scores uh, towards the end of the show here. Um, but again, I'm not going to read through these these two articles. I just encourage you to go check them out because Liz does such a great job at summarizing everything that happened and kind of recapping um, how things looked in, honestly, in, in a very concise way. So, I mean, you know, the Toronto uh, uh, versus Houston match, um, she's got, you know, three, four paragraphs kind of thing. And that's how it went. You know, the Florida Mayhem versus London Spitfire, which did go to five. She's got, you know, about five paragraphs. So a very similar kind of thing, you know, highlighting what happened, highlighting the good, the bad, and the ugly, and and how everything turned out. And uh, it was a great time overall. So because I have gone over those two articles, but I'm not actually going to read them, again, go to dottiesports.com and read them yourself. Give Liz Richardson the credit for, uh, for those articles. I do also, though, want to jump to another article by Liz, which did, of course, happen just today as of recording. Today is uh, September 12th. So sticking with Dottie Sports, Liz Richardson, September 12th, she writes, Los Angeles Gladiators and Ons mutually part ways. The Los Angeles Gladiators will be heading into the last stretch of the 2022 Overwatch League season without one of their best snipers. The team announced today that has mutually parted ways with DPS Ons 
who has been with the Gladiators since late 2021. Ons has a long history in the Overwatch League, first joining the San Francisco Shock before the 2020 season. As a relative unknown who made his name in the streaming community, he was a risky pickup for the Shock, but his consistent and terrifying ability to hit headshots made him a necessary cog in the victory machine. San Francisco went on to take the 2020 Owl League Championship. In 2021, Ons retired from professional Overwatch and later sought a career in the Valorant scene. Though he was picked up by T1 Valorant shortly after he left Overwatch, he returned to the Shock in the middle of the 2021 season. When the Los Angeles Gladiators picked up Ons before the 2022 season, it was one of the most high-profile signings in the league. The storyline of an ace sniper leaving one California team for the other seemed too good to be true. He was a usual sight in the team's starting lineup throughout the year, but metas shifted away from his signature heroes over time. In August, the Gladiators signed Hitscan Happy from the Washington Justice. With considerable overlap between their hero pools, it's likely that Ons would not have seen playtime for the rest of the season. The Los Angeles Gladiators won two of the league's tournaments this year, but a recent lack of adaptation to new metas led them to miss last weekend's summer showdown. They'll be looking to solidify a first-place seed in the postseason when games resume on September 22nd. So obviously, as Liz points out there, Ons was a very high-profile signing, uh, both when he joined the Shock, um, I mean, then when he left, and then when he came back, and then when he joined the Gladiators. Um, it was a big deal, and, and certainly Ons is a very, very skilled and very impressive player, um, especially in those hitscan metas uh, dominated by Widow um, and characters like that. Now, we obviously, as she points out in the article there, uh, haven't seen a ton of him lately, especially in this meta. And a large part of that is because of uh, the way the meta has has turned out, um, with Sojourn being a, a largely picked character, but also with the Washington Justice uh, sending Happy over to the Los Angeles Gladiators. It did seem like Happy was getting more playtime. Now, one thing you may recall is that uh, at the start of August, there was a lot of hullabaloo around the trade deadline and the fact that if players weren't released from a contract prior to that deadline, I think it was like August 18th or something like that, um, then they couldn't actually join another team before uh, the offseason. Obviously, that comes as a concern when this was announced for Ons. It has since come out from the team themselves. I believe they tweeted out um, that Ons was given the opportunity to uh, uh, part ways with the team prior to the deadline so that he could join another team if he wanted to. Um, so it sounds like this has probably been in the works for a while. It's probably been known for a good month, month and a half. Um, and good for the organization for, for providing him that opportunity. Um, unfortunate that, you know, for whatever reason, things didn't shake out. He didn't want to go until after the tournament. I'm not sure. Um, but I digress. Uh, ultimately, he will be missed. And, and certainly, I'd, I'd love to see him stay in the scene, uh, join another team next season, maybe go to contenders, maybe... Maybe, I don't know, brush up on his skills, work on his skills. He's, he's always been a very talented player. Um, in my opinion, although he hasn't quite reached the heights that he reached with that first season with the San Francisco Shock, um, I still think he, he's he got it in him. And, and any team would be uh, probably better off with him on their roster in some way. So I'm hopeful we see more from Ons, uh, but ultimately it won't be this season. So... Now, I wanted to stick that story in there. Obviously, that broke today. But the one thing you're probably thinking is, as we reach the end of our news segment of the show, why haven't I heard anything about Kiriko? That's right. You may have seen the rumors. You may have seen the supposed leaks about the new support hero. Um, there were rumors. Well, it, there were leaks, seemingly, 
about the character design, about the character's look, um, of the actual cinematic, um, of the abilities, of the battle pass, and how Kiriko will tie into that and be affected by it. Ultimately, the biggest takeaway that I had was all of this was leaked information. Now, I actually... I don't have a ton of a problem, or I don't have a huge problem, I should say, with leaks in general. Um, I think there there are certain times that they're appropriate, and there are certain times that they're they are not. I think it does, you know, steal the wind of of a lot of hard work and things like that. Um, but ultimately, you know, when you're dealing with multi million dollar organizations, leaks will happen. These things are kind of to be expected. It's almost more shocking when they don't happen in a lot of ways. But I digress. The point is, at this point, nothing official has been confirmed or revealed, and because of that, I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) If you are very curious about these leaks, about the rumors, about the speculation, um, about what has been said publicly, there, there are a few little details that have trickled out because of some of the controversy around the leaks. Um, you can go search that out. Um, specifically I'm talking about the battle pass when I say some of the information that has been, uh, sort of confirmed or at least commented on by John Spector and, you know, some people around the league and Overwatch itself. Um, you can go seek that out, just Google Kiriko or, or Overwatch 2 Battle Pass. Um, but ultimately, I'm going to personally wait until we have concrete details to bring to the show to actually report on in a news sense. Um, the long story short of it is that uh, the upcoming Fox character support hero, uh, details were leaked about that, details were leaked about the Battle Pass in Overwatch 2, um, and details were leaked about how the two tie into one another. But that's all you're going to get from me, that quick little summary. So know that it's out there, and if you want to seek it out, you be my guest. But I think that's all we'll talk about here. I want to now move on and talk about the Summer Showdown Tournament. I'm on a roll! So the Summer Showdown Tournament kicked off in Toronto, uh, at least in the Western region, on September 8th. Of course, the East region started on September 9th. Uh, they were two separate tournaments, uh, tournament brackets in this, uh, this tournament cycle. Of course, this is the final sort of traditional tournament cycle of the Overwatch League Season 5. Uh, after this, we do have the Countdown Cup qualifier matches, which in theory are more regular season matches that I think teams do get standing points for, um, and it all leads to the seeding and, of course, the Countdown Cup Tournament Finals, which is the Grand Finals of the Overwatch League's fifth season. So, this was our last regular season tournament. Um, It was, of course, as you know from this show, as you know from watching the Overwatch League, and as you know from the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, this was Toronto's Summer Showdown Tournament. So, not only... Uh, was this was Toronto making an appearance in this tournament based on the qualifying matches and, and points that they earned to get into this tournament, but it was hosted in the city of Toronto. Of course, we have a new Canadian hero in Sojourn that's been available for all of uh, this, this uh, Overwatch League season. And of course, it was featuring both Canadian teams. That's right. Uh, the Toronto Defiant and the Vancouver Titans both qualified for this tournament. Obviously, if you're a fan of the Overwatch League, if you're a fan of this show, you know that already. So let's get into some of the brackets and we'll see how things turned out. Although I'm sure, of course, you probably already know. So we'll breeze through this and I might talk a little bit about some of the games um, and some of the experiences I had. But 
let's dive in. So first things first, I'm going to go over the whole Eastern bracket because all, with the exception of the final, I didn't really catch any of these games, um, nor do I really follow any of these teams. So they kicked things off on September 9th, first with the match against the between the Guangzhou Charge and the Shanghai Dragons. Shanghai wins that one, 3-0. Then we have a match against between, sorry, I keep saying against, with the Philadelphia Fusion facing off against the Seoul Dynasty. Seoul squeaked out a win there with a 3-2 win. So we then move on to September 10th, where first the losers round one match happened with the Philadelphia Fusion against the Guangzhou Charge, and Philly takes that 3-0, knocking the Guangzhou Charge out of the tournament. So Philly advances to losers round two, but of course we did not know who would be playing in that until our winners round two match, between the Seoul Dynasty and the Shanghai Dragons. Now, Shanghai came out on top of this match 3-0. So they knocked Seoul down to the loser's bracket. Then our first match of the day on September 11th saw the Philadelphia Fusion face off against the Seoul Dynasty. Seoul comes out on top in a 3-1 victory, a better match than they had on the first day there. And of course, that meant our final match was the Seoul Dynasty facing off against the Shanghai Dragons, a match to end all matches. The Shanghai Dragons came out on top with a pretty decisive 4-2 4-2 win over the Seoul Dynasty. So congratulations, of course, to the, the Shanghai Dragons uh, for winning the Summer Showdown Tournament. Congratulations, of course, to the Seoul Dynasty for placing second. And I mean, if you'd really like to, congratulations to the Philadelphia Fusion for placing third. So that was your Eastern Bracket. Now, let's look at the Western Bracket. Of course, I'm going to have a lot more to say about this bracket because this is uh, the, the region that I follow. And probably the region that most of you listening uh, follow closely as well. So we kicked things off on Thursday, September 8th, with our first match of the day being the Washington, wow, I almost said the Washington Fuel, the Washington Justice facing off against the Dallas Fuel. Now this match was a banger. This match, uh, one of, I believe, let's see, one, two, one of three, three, two matches in the Western bracket. And it was the first match of the day. And it was awesome because the Washington Justice started things off by going up 2-0. That's right. They had the Dallas Fuel playing on their heels. The expected favorites of the tournament were quaking in their very boots. But, of course, the Dallas Fuel managed to pull off the reverse sweep and knock the Washington Justice into the loser's bracket. Our next match of the day saw the London Spitfire take on the Toronto Defiant in that rematch that I spoke about earlier. And of course, as we know, the London Spitfire did come out with the win, taking a 3-1 win over the Toronto Defiant, knocking the Toronto Defiant into the loser's round one bracket to face off against the Washington Justice. Now, again, to touch on Toronto a little bit here, this was a very disappointing result because they had already lost to London. So this was a rematch that you know they wanted to win. They were out for blood. Um... There was, in fact, a little bit of drama on stage. We saw Hottie get up at one point, do some push-ups on stage. Um, when he was asked about it later, he actually said that it's just part of his, you know, pre-game, mid-game, post-game ritual. He sometimes does it before the game, sometimes does it after, sometimes does it mid-game. And he happened to be on stage, so he did it on stage. Uh, didn't get a rise out of the Toronto Defiant, although, you know, maybe he was asserting some aggression over, over them. And obviously it paid off as London came out with the win. So anyways, from the Toronto perspective, this was a big loss because it was the revenge match that they wanted. And of course, this would have meant they go to winner's round two. Now, it would mean that they face off against the Dallas Fuel, which would be great practice in case they manage to make a run if they lost, um, or potentially if they come out with the win, of course. 
Um, but I don't think anyone expected them to come out with a win, as I mentioned before. I think most people in their minds, it was probably the Dallas Fuel, the San Francisco Shock, then the Toronto Defiant. Maybe Toronto and San Francisco kind of could put up a good fight against one another. But I digress. London wins, knocks Toronto down to the loser's bracket. Our third match of the day saw the Vancouver Titans face off against the San Francisco Shock, and unfortunately, San Francisco asserted their dominance over Vancouver. Vancouver took a map from them, and Vancouver looked pretty great, honestly. This Vancouver team definitely put up a great fight against the San Francisco Shock, and I would also encourage you, at this point, to go listen to our bonus episodes of the Ready, Set, Poem podcast. That's right, we did an episode at the end of every single day of this summer showdown tournament where we talked about that day's matches. Now, the big takeaway from this match was actually that uh, my co-host Chris in the post-match interview uh, for this match, of course, we typically got to interview the winners or a few of the winners, either a couple players or a player and a coach. And we actually got to interview Kaluj, uh in this post-match interview. Now, my co-host on the Ready, Set, Poem podcast, Chris, asked Kaluj, um what they thought of Vancouver. And Kaluja actually said that he thought Vancouver was a force to be reckoned with. They put up a really good fight, and they were maybe top four. Um, he, he said they were actually much better than he thinks people were giving them credit for, and he was excited to, to see how far they would go in the tournament. So really exciting stuff there. Um, but I digress. Ultimately, Vancouver gets knocked down to the loser's bracket. Finally, our final game of the day in winner's round one in the Western region was the Florida Mayhem taking on the Houston Outlaws. And Houston rolled the Florida Mayhem 3-0. I actually didn't catch that match, so I don't have too much to say about it. So, that brings us to day two, September 9th, where things kick off with, of course, that winner's round one match. So, in our winner's round one match, we had the London Spitfire taking on the Dallas Fuel. And, of course, as expected, Dallas comes out 3-1, knocking London into the loser's bracket where they deserve to be. After that, we saw our winner's round two match. Of course, it was the Houston Outlaws taking on the San Francisco Shock. And, as expected by some, maybe most, the San Francisco Shock came out over top of the Houston Outlaws, 3-1, knocking Houston down to the lowers, the lowers, the loser's bracket. I had in my preds Houston coming out with a surprise win over San Francisco. I was trying to uh, upset the establishment. That was probably a silly thing of me to do. It did not go that way, San Francisco one as expected by most, and Houston drops to the loser's bracket. Our next match uh, of the day was then the Florida Mayhem taking on the Vancouver Titans, and in a very unfortunate 3-0 loss, the Vancouver Titans were sent packing. That's right. The two big losers of this tournament were the Washington Justice getting beat by Dallas 3-2, and then the, I haven't covered it yet, but the Toronto Defiant would go on to beat the Washington Justice as well, 3-1. Um, so the big losers were the Washington Justice and the Vancouver Titans, unfortunately, both teams getting no wins in the tournament. That was the Florida-Vancouver match. Of course, after that, as you now know, we then had the Toronto Defiant face off against the Washington Justice. Toronto takes it 3-1, and Toronto played with the utmost swagger and the utmost appreciation for its fans. Um, and actually, in the post-match interviews, uh, we did learn from, at one point, Coach Moby Dick, and, you know, we heard from a few players. Um, I know we heard from Twilight and Hoppo. We heard from Chorong, and um, I mentioned it earlier in the show, didn't I? Uh, Chorong and Hisu. Um, 
and I don't remember who else. I, I may have missed the interview, but I digress. We heard from all of them, and they all actually did say at one point or another that nerves definitely came into play. It was, uh, for a lot of them, it was their first time playing on stage or the first time in a long time. Um, the only one that I think has some extensive uh, on stage and, and championship um you know, background is, of course, Twilight, who came from the uh, former Vancouver Titans uh, runaway squad, as well as who played with the San Francisco Shock after he left Vancouver. So um, I digress. Toronto, uh, many of the players and coaches commented on the fact that they had some nerves in that London match, um, but ultimately they were able to overcome it. They were able to kind of embrace the crowd. Um, I think the crowd was great and and the overall attitude and everything in the environment in the... Uh, in the Madame Athletics Center seemed to really kind of help them and give them that boost that they needed. So they come out over top of Washington, 3-1. Washington is going home, and Vancouver is going home. We then move into day three, with our first match of the day actually being the Losers' Round 2 uh, match, starting with the Toronto Defiant against the Houston Outlaws. And this match, I was nervous for. I thought the Toronto Defiant would put up a fight, but I was nervous that Houston could come up with a win. Uh, they looked strong against Florida, from what I heard. They looked uh, sem- somewhat strong against San Francisco. I I, heard, I actually did see some of that match, and they did very well on the one map that they did take. I believe it was Hollywood. Um, but ultimately, by this point, it seemed like Houston's gas was all run out, and this match was all Toronto. They played with, with if they didn't play with the utmost swagger against Washington, they dominated the Houston Outlaws and sent them packing with a 3-0 victory. Then, of course, we had the Florida Mayhem taking on the London Spitfire in what in a match that would be uh, what would determine if the Toronto Defiant uh, had their their sought-after rematch against the London Spitfire. Unfortunately, the Florida Mayhem managed to complete the second reverse sweep of the Western Bracket, and they took them 3-2. So they beat out London, sent London packing. This was actually the, I believe it was the second time that the Florida Mayhem have uh stomped on the London Spitfire, sending them home in the Losers Round 2 bracket. I believe they did the same thing in the Mid-Season Madness tournament. So I digress. Florida and London now starting a bit of a rivalry here. Um, Whereas it could have easily, if London had won, it could have easily been the Toronto Defiant and the London Spitfire starting that rivalry. But I digress. London goes home. After that, we had our Winners Round 3 match with the San Francisco Shock facing off against the Dallas Fuel. And, of course, the Dallas Fuel, again, as expected, managed to stomp and roll over top of the San Francisco Shock in a decisive 3-0 victory. So, Shock now drop to losers round four, which would be played on September 11th, the final day of the tournament. But we still had one more match of the day, and that was the Florida Mayhem against the Toronto Defiant to determine who would play, ultimately, for third place in the tournament, who would play against the newly lost San Francisco Shock. So this match, again, was another banger. Uh, another match that went to five, it did wind up going in favor of Toronto, three to two. Not a reverse sweep by any means. Toronto came out strong on the first map, um, which was Li Zhang Tower, and they came out with the win. Uh, things then went to Parisio with a good map for Toronto, but ultimately Florida does edge out one more point than them. Um, a decent circuit royale saw Florida ultimately get the win as well, but then a great push on Coliseo saw Toronto get the uh, tie up the rounds, and finally a great control on Oasis saw Toronto come out over top of the Florida Mayhem with that 3-2 win. 
Again, the post-match interviews for all of these matches were just fantastic. Um, talking to Hydron and RuPaul after their win over London, um, I actually asked them uh, who was coming into the the next losers match with more momentum: the Toronto Defiant coming off of uh, two wins in the losers bracket, or the Florida Mayhem coming off of two wins. Now, of course, as I expected, uh, Hydron and RuPaul both agreed that it was the Florida Mayhem, given they had just played. You know, they had less of a break, maybe an hour, hour and a half before jumping back into the game. Um, whereas Toronto had kind of more like three hours to relax kind of thing. But ultimately, I think uh, I think things swung in favor of the Toronto Defiant as the more skilled team. So that meant we ran into our final day of matches, September 11th, with our first match of the day being that Losers Round 4, where we saw the Toronto Defiant face off against the San Francisco Shock. Unfortunately, this is where Toronto's success would end. They would place third in the tournament overall, even though they took a very decisive win on Nepal in the very first round, they got 2-0 over the shock. They looked amazing. They looked absolutely stunning and stellar, and it was fantastic, and I loved it. And then we went to Hollywood, where they had a really good push, but unfortunately, they set the bar just a little too low, and San Francisco edged them out. Then on Dorado, a very similar thing happened. And then, of course, on Coliseo, uh, that map was pretty significantly in favor of San Francisco. Toronto put up a good fight, but ultimately just couldn't overcome the uh, the sheer skill uh, that, you know, the individual players on the San Francisco Shock have. So that meant our final match of the day was going to be the San Francisco Shock with a rematch over the Dallas Fuel. And of course, as the prophecy foretold in the winner's round three, where Dallas 3-0'd the San Francisco Shock, the Dallas Fuel once again four i mean once again three owed but it was a four oh because these matches are played to four in the very final they four owed the san francisco shock they took lijang tower hollywood dorado and coliseo which again as i pointed out on the ready set pwn podcast eerily similar to how things look in the um in the toronto match when toronto faced san francisco it was nepal hollywood dorado coliseo same map pool and the scores are actually other than the toronto defiant getting that one map uh, in each case, very, very similar scores kind of thing. So I digress. Congratulations to the San Francisco Shock and the Dallas Fuel. Of course, more of the Dallas Fuel for actually winning it all. But congratulations to the San Francisco Shock for placing second and, of course, for beating our Toronto Defiant. Um, but overall, I think the the <laughs> really the biggest winner of this tournament, I think, could easily be uh, the Toronto Defiant. If not, it could easily be the Florida Mayhem because both teams made very impressive runs. I believe Florida wound up uh, in terms of the standings, they were in, I think, the eighth seed coming in, and they wound up fourth. I think Toronto was fifth or sixth, um, and they wound up third. And then, of course, the San Francisco Shock and Dallas Fuel were first and second, respectively. Well, the opposite. Um, and, of course, that's exactly how they placed in the tournament as well. So, anyways, I digress. It was just a blast. And once again, I have to thank the fine folks at Ready, Set, Pwn, uh, my co-hosts Chris and Alex, for, of course, uh, bringing me onto the show months ago when they did, um, because that afforded me the opportunity to make some connections. And, of course, uh, through them, we all got set up uh, because of the Toronto Defiant organization um, and the connections we have there. We got set up with this backstage, these, these backstage uh, interviews, these virtual interviews, um, and access that otherwise we would not have had, you know. We would have been recording post-match episodes after every every match just for fun, um, or after every day, I should say, just for fun. But because of the Toronto Defiant, because of that organization, we actually had that that virtual press room access. We got to, you know, 
uh, pose questions to the players and coaches, and it was just really cool um, and a lot of fun. I can't stress how much fun I had covering this tournament. Um, we then also actually, after Toronto lost to San Francisco, uh, Coach Moby Dick came to the press room and he did talk to us. Um, and ultimately, you know, he said he how how happy and proud he was of his team, um, how exciting it was to play in front of the live audience, how the team really fed off that, and how exciting it was for them to, uh, you know, do so well in the host city um, and everything like that. So ultimately, it seemed like it was a ton of fun. It seemed like a great event and a great tournament. Um, the atmosphere seemed great. Uh, I was very jealous of all the friends that I do have that were there. Um, I made some connections just because I was tweeting about the, the, the summer showdown so much and, you know, uh, following other people that were there and, and all sorts of stuff like that. So overall, I had a ton of fun. And once again, thank you to the Toronto Defiant organization, uh, Overactive Media, the parent company, um, Adam Adamu, Grayson, uh, of course, he, he has been integral in in connecting Ready, Set, Pwn with uh, the Toronto Defiant organization as much as he has. Um, and of course, thank you so much to everyone at Ready, Set, Pwn for, for bringing me on and for allowing me to be a part of this as well. So with all of that said, of course, we have reached the end of the news segment. We've reached the uh, end of the recap of the Summer Showdown Tournament. And I think all that's left to do on today's episode is wrap up the show. Oh, um, uh, thanks. I like yours, too. So, friends, here we are at the end of episode 87 of One Man Watchpoint. Thank you so much for listening, of course. As I mentioned, I, I think I already thanked the Toronto Defiant Organization, um, Adam Adamu, and Ready, the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, and the guys over there, my co-hosts. Um, but once again, I would like to thank them, and also, of course, thank anyone who is listening to this podcast. I know it's a very small subset of people, but hopefully I made some decent and some new connections over the course of the Summer Showdown Tournament. Hopefully this gets a little more attention, because ultimately... Um, I love doing this and I've had so much fun covering this tournament and all I want to do is talk about it more, talk about uh, the teams, you know, the encounters, uh, the event as a whole, the cities. Ultimately, I would love to go to one of these live events. Um, it really uh, it would have been fantastic to be able to attend this one. Um, obviously, I couldn't make that happen. Guys, look, Canada is a big country and I'm uh, not quite as far out west as uh, my co-hosts on the Ready, Set, Poem podcast, but I am uh, just about as far out west as you can be without being where they are. So I digress. Um, one day I will make it to one of these live events and I will meet some of you in person and of course uh, make some new connections and just enjoy the Overwatch League even more. Thank you so much for listening to episode 87 of One Man Watchpoint, an Overwatch podcast. You can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, etc., etc. Please, if you are listening on any of those services, give us a review, uh, follow, uh, tell your friends, all that fun stuff. And of course, find me on Twitter at SirDrJM. That's SirDRJM. Follow me there. Reach out to me there. Shoot me a DM. Shoot me a tweet, uh, questions, comments inquiries, whatever you want to know. Um, you know, it's not like I'm under NDA or anything. I can talk about the backstage stuff I, I saw as well, if you'd really like me to. Um, and I'm happy to, honestly. I, I would love to engage with you. And of course, as I always mention, I would also like to just talk about video games, whether it's Blizzard-related, whether it's Overwatch or outside of those two things. Um, I love video games in general. So hit me up over there. I'd love to hear from you. And with that, we're going to wrap things up here. With, of course, the hashtag 
That was uh, my motto over the Summer Showdown Tournament. Hashtag Rise Together. Vital Signs Normalizing.